church. And uh, man, what about those kids that sung at the beginning? Wasn't that just, didn't they do a good job? Man, I was proud of them. And I, and I love that song. And oh man, thank you all so very much. Uh, listen, I really want to begin tonight by, by telling the good folks of Bronzeburg Baptist Church, thank you. Thank you for a very good week, uh, for your faithful attendance, for being here, for the good spirit. Uh, this is a good church, it really is. It's a good church, and, and I appreciate you all greatly. And uh, Brother Brad, I want to say thank you to you. You know, I think you have a good pastor and a good pastor's wife. What do y'all think, Brinesburg? And um, they are some wonderful people. They're doing it together as a team. I, I, I told Miss Walker tonight, I said, you know, not everybody realizes this unless you've been on the side of a pastor, being a pastor. But Revival Week is actually tough on a family of a pastor. It is. You, you don't realize that, but it is. So I appreciate um, this family for serving the Lord and for, and for uh, you know, supporting the revival efforts and just for raising your kids for Christ. And Brother Brad, I appreciate you, your ministry. Keep serving the Lord. Keep this church focused on winning the loss just like you have been doing. That is so, so evident in your leadership, Brother Brad, and, and um, I'm thankful I've made a friend this week. I feel that way and grateful for you. And Brinesburg, I also want to say this. Thank you uh, for your generous support of the cooperative program. You may not realize this, but when your church gives to the cooperative program, I heard a church say one time, we're paying our dues to the Baptist. No, no, you don't pay any dues. You're an autonomous church. You do as the Lord lays on your heart. We give, amen. We don't pay dues, we give. But your giving is going a long way. This church is doing so much for the cause of missions through your cooperative program giving. You are enabling consultants to be on the field, um, helping churches of all sizes. And the truth is, the consultants will, will, will help a church of 300 people, and we will also help a church of three people. Um, your executive director, uh, Dr. Todd Gray, um, there was a church in eastern Kentucky, um, literally, of three people. And the entire, he told the entire Kentucky Baptist Convention staff, and we've all taken turns, including Dr. Gray, twice, once on Easter, preaching in a church in the mountains of three people. That's the kind of convention you serve. That's the executive director, Dr. Todd Gray, that you serve, that would preach on Easter to a church of three people. And, re and the reality is, we really are better together. Amen? We are better together. Through cooperative program support, not only are you putting consultants on the field to do their work, you're helping ministries like the Backpack Ministry in Eastern Kentucky. You're helping the seminaries across um, the, the, the nation where Brother Bragg got some of his education at. Um, I, I mean, God is doing just great stuff through your giving. You're planting churches through the North American Mission Board in New York City and L.A. and Miami and Cincinnati. And then maybe the biggest thing, Brinesburg Baptist Church is putting over 3,300 missionaries and their families on the field. And you may not have realized that, but every time you give at your church and then your church gives through the cooperative program, that's what you're doing with your giving. And I'll tell you what, I just think we should praise the Lord for all that, that, that can happen through missions giving. So on behalf of the Kentucky Baptist Convention, we want to say Thank you to Brinesburg Baptist Church uh, for being a cooperative program believing church. And we want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts for, for that. 
If you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. As you're turning there, um, you know, I, I, I praise the Lord for so much. I praise the Lord for my family. I praise the Lord for, um, for Bible-believing, preaching churches. I, I praise the Lord, most importantly, for Jesus who died and rose again. But I also praise the Lord for coffee. And I know that coffee is an anointed drink, Brother Brad, because there's a whole book of the Bible called Hebrews. <laughs> Coffee's a good thing, amen? It's a good thing. Why? Because we get tired a lot. Anybody ever feel tired? You ever feel tired? I feel tired sometimes. When we get tired, you know there's a difference between being tired and tired. You ever been tired before? You know what I'm talking about. You, uh, studies have shown that if you are tired, you can lack motivation. You will have a struggle following through on your activities and your commitments. You can be confused. You can forget. You can be moody. You can have headaches. We can get tired. There are two countries in this world that if you live in, then you have a higher rate of being more tired than the rest of the world. One of those countries is Japan. If you live in Japan, you have a higher rate of being tired more than the rest of the world. You might want to take a guess where the second country is. <laughs> Let me tell you something, you're not in Japan tonight. It's right here in the United States. If you, live, if you are an American, you have a greater chance of being chronically tired more so than the rest of the world. The National Sleep Foundation reports that the typical American is sleepy at least three days a week. You know what that tells me, Brother Brad? That some of these people that came here this week were really sleepy when I was preaching. But I ain't going to point you out, all right? But it's all right, we get tired. Now listen, if you're an American, you're going to be tired. How many parents we have in the room tonight? I got bad news for you. If you are an American who happens to be a parent, you have a very, very high risk of being tired. <laughs> Did you know it, it is estimated that those cute little bundles of joy were robbed from you somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,055 hours of sleep? Those little boogers will do that to you, won't they? They'll make you tired. If only we as American parents could be a giraffe. Because a giraffe only needs 1.9 hours of sleep a day. If we could only be like that. If we didn't have to do so much. If we could just be a little bit more rested. But friends, as tired as we get sometimes. As sleepy as we get sometimes. And wore out from work and stuff. And we get so tired. There's a different kind of tiredness tonight that some of us are suffering from right now. It's not the physical tiredness, but instead it is a spiritual tiredness. It is a spiritual exhaustion of the soul. Well, Kenny, what in the world are you talking about, about an exhaustion of the soul or being tired in the soul? 
Well, friends, there are woes and there are troubles in this world. Can I get an amen or owe me on that? Those woes and troubles will rob you of sleep. But let me tell you something, they can rob you of so much more than sleep. They can rob you of what's inside. We can grow so tired when we go through struggles and challenges of life. And it just weighs on us. A weight that we carry around in us. Y'all know what I'm talking about tonight? A weight that can just, it's not there physically. And it's not even mental. It's spiritual. You know what I'm talking about, right? And it's inside of you. And it can be caused by the troubles and the hurts of this world. But it can also be caused by two other things. When we sin against God, when we go against God's holy commands and laws, when we disobey God, oh, we feel that weight inside us. It draws us away from God, from our maker, our creator, the source of life. And it just wears us out even more. But there's another source of spiritual exhaustion that you may not realize. It makes sense that the woes wear you out spiritually. It makes sense that sin wears you out spiritually. But there is a third cause for spiritual exhaustion that you may have never considered. And that cause for spiritual exhaustion is actually very ironic. It is when we try to earn or work our way into God's favor. When we attempt to earn or work our way into God's favor, let me tell you what happens. It'll do the same thing that the woes of the world will do to you. It'll do the same thing that sin will do to you. It'll flat wear you out in your spirit when you try to earn your own salvation. As strange as this sounds, the harder you work to justify yourself, the more tired you will be and the further away from God you will be. Well, Kenny, I feel that today. I feel the exhaustion of sin. I feel the exhaustion of the weight of the world. And I feel the exhaustion of trying to work my way to heaven. What's my hope? How can I find spiritual rest tonight? How can my soul be put at ease? How can I get some rest on the inside? Well, I believe Jesus has an answer for us tonight. Stand to your feet as we honor God's word. Matthew Chapter 11, starting in verse 28 through 30. Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. King Jesus tells us this. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek, and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Lord, thank you for the word tonight. May you bless it. Help me to preach. Father, I pray that you would do your work tonight. And God, that you would also at the same time let the tired soul 
find spiritual rest tonight in Christ. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. When you look at the context of Matthew chapter 11, uh, Jesus is speaking to a group of people, uh, probably a variety of group of people. There are probably religious leaders in this group, and there are also people that are common Jews in this group, and then there are probably some very, very poor folks in this group as well. And Jesus is basically talking about how he is doing miracles and he's done great things to prove who he was, but yet the people are not responding to him. The people are not coming to him. He even says earlier that the miracles were done in Sodom that you've seen here. Sodom would have repented and believed. And he's really rebuking the religious leaders because the religious leaders just stood off at a distance and they wanted nothing to do with Jesus. They were all about their works. They were all about their law. They were all about earning their way to God. They were about working their way to God. And when Jesus gets done kind of rebuking them, he turns around and he says, Lord, I thank you for these children that are here, these, these babes that are here. And, and he's not talking about physical children at that point. He's talking about those that, that have had a hard time in life. He's talking about those that that haven't met the standards of the religious leaders. He's talking about those that just don't have it all together. And he actually praises the Father. And he says, Lord, thank you for revealing yourself to them. Thank you for loving them. And I can just imagine as Jesus is talking to that group and he identifies that those outcasts and those burdened by the life of the world, and you just, I can just see him just looking at him through the crowd. He says, guys, come to me. Come to me and you'll get, you'll get rest. Just come to me. Don't worry about all this law and rigmarole and rules and all that. Just come to me. Come to me. Because you're tired. And I'm the only one that can give you rest. Just come to me. Come to me. For some of us tonight that are wore out by the weight of the world, we're wore out by our sin, and we're wore out by trying to work, 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 work to earn favor with God, Jesus is giving you an invitation tonight. He's giving you an invitation to rest. He wants to put your troubled soul at ease. So tonight, if you need rest tonight, and I ain't talking about laying your head on a pillow I'm talking about laying your head in the arms of Jesus, amen? And trusting in Christ for a spiritual healing, to get the refreshing of the soul that you are so longing for tonight, that you are looking everywhere to try to get some ease inside of you, but it's not working. I have some good news for you tonight. So tonight, if you're spiritually exhausted and you are flat, war out I have some great news for you tonight first I want you to see this that the spiritually tired the spiritually exhausted need to come to Jesus tonight they first need to come to Christ look back at verse 28 Jesus says come unto me come to me come to me come to Jesus you need to quit going to everything else to try to find ease. And you need to come unto me. It needs to be me. 
And he specifically defines who they are. All you that are labor and heavy laden. The ones that are working hard to try to justify themselves before God. Those that are really, really trying hard to just be so good and squeaky clean before God. <laughs> but they're not. They're not. By the way, if being good takes you to heaven, how good is good enough? Have you thought about that? If being good takes you to heaven, how good is good enough? How much do you have to do before, therefore, you are declared good? <laughs> and then you better hope you never mess up again, right? How good is good enough? See, the Pharisees, which were the religious leaders in the days of Jesus, boy, they loved rules and regulations. They must have been Southern Baptists, amen? They just loved. I was a joke, all right? I worked for Southern Baptists, all right? I work for Southern Baptists. Laugh a little bit, all right? I'm joking with you. But they love the rules. Now, they were real big, Brother Brad, about something called the Sabbath. Anybody know what the Sabbath is? You ever heard of the Sabbath? See, that was actually one of the commandments of God. You shall honor the Sabbath. Keep it, you know, seventh day, keep it holy. And on the Sabbath, when God gave the Sabbath day back in the Old Testament, one of the big ten, right? One of the big ten commandments. The Sabbath was meant to take a break and reflect upon God and to worship God and enjoy God. But by the days of Jesus, the religious leaders had really, really messed that up. The Sabbath was no longer about reflecting on God and taking a whole day to worship God. The Sabbath had been corrupted and it had been perverted. People, people weren't just to rest from their work. They were just had all these bizarro rules. And the Pharisees were walking around like the Sabbath police. If you did anything wrong on the Sabbath, they would condemn you and make you feel, feel so, so bad. If you want to see a continuation of the Sabbath theme, you just go right into the next chapter because Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath and, and he continues this entire theme that's happening right here. But all the Pharisees took something that was to be good and joyful and they made it miserable isn't that what religion does to us it takes the good things of god and makes it miserable that's what dead religion does did you know that it's what dead religion does but jesus gives a very very different invitation doesn't he he gives a very different invitation. The Pharisees did not tell people to come and find rest. The Pharisees told you to do and to do and to do and to do more and to do more. They wrote commentaries about what you can do, what you can't do, what you should do, what you need to do that wasn't even part of the Bible. I mean, it was just ridiculous stuff. But yet, Jesus, he doesn't tell the people to do anything. He doesn't add more laws. He doesn't add more rules. He doesn't add more regulations. Jesus is not the strict religious teacher ready to bump them on the head with the ruler and yell at them. The Pharisees are, but not Jesus. Jesus doesn't tell them to jump through 30 types of hoops, does he? He just tells them to do one thing, and that's it. And what is that? Come to him. That's all he says. Come to me. And you know what? The Sabbath that the Pharisees have perverted, let me show you the true Sabbath. Let me show you true rest, relationship with God. 
come to me. Well, Kenny, I am very nervous about who I come to. Because everybody that I've had in my life, they've not always been good people. And I have a hard time with that. And I get that. You know, you folks here at Brinesburg, you, you guys have been so awesome. I mean, you fed me, and I appreciate that. As you can tell, I don't miss a whole lot of meals, you know. But let me tell you something. When I came to eat with you guys at y'all's wonderful meal the other night, I ate with the children tonight, I ate um, with the youth the other night, I didn't for one minute think that you guys had laced the pizza or the barbecue with cyanide. That never crossed my mind, believe it or not. I never for one minute think, you know, those people down at Brinesburg, may, they may just want to kill me. I never thought that. When I, when I drunk a Coke, I didn't think that y'all had put, you know, weird stuff in it. Why? Because I trust you guys, right? Y'all good people around here. Y'all good, y'all like, I like the good old folks here at Brinesburg. And when I went to eat with you all, I didn't give your food a taste test and make sure it wasn't poison. No, because I trusted you. And I came. You come to people that you trust. Can I tell you tonight? You can come to Jesus. Why? Because you can trust Jesus Christ. He ain't going to hurt you. He ain't going to abuse you. He isn't going to trample you in the mud. He is real. He loves you. He died on the cross and paid for your sins, and praise God, he rose again. And you can come to the living Jesus tonight and find the rest that your soul is longing for because Jesus Christ can be trusted. So if you are spiritually exhausted and worn out tonight, here's what I'm telling you. Just come to Jesus. Come to Christ. He loves you. He's not going to bury you with more weight and burden and law and legalism. He's going to free you. He's going to give you rest. So the spiritually tired need to come to Christ. But number two, number two, the spiritually tired need to be helped by Jesus. They need to be helped by Christ. They need to come to Christ and then they need the help of Christ. They need the the, the encouragement of Christ, the lift up of Christ. They need Jesus to help them. Now look at verse 29. Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Jesus tells the people to take his yoke. Kenny, what in the world is a yoke? All right? Now how many farmers we have in here tonight? Any farmers? Like one or two farmers? Okay, all right, no more than that. Has anybody ever farmed? Let's ask that question, all right? Now, how often did you use yoke? Did you guys prefer the yoke or the tractor? Which one did you guys like? Was there a difference? I mean, do you prefer, you know, to do your work with good old-fashioned yoke or tractor? Probably tractor. So what does that tell me? That a lot of folks don't have a lot of experience with yokes tonight. (laughs) You don't got a lot of experience with yokes tonight so what in the world is a yoke brother brad well a yoke in the ancient days back then it was made of wood it was a wooden bar that would hold two animals together and the purpose of holding those two animals together was they would plow a field they would do farm work and the reason you would put 
two of them together and yoke them together was because two, surprise, surprise, can do more than one. And the weight, if you yoke one ox and another ox together, the weight was distributed better and they could work harder, do more work, without feeling more physical pain. It would, they would be bound together. Now, the Pharisees often in that time period spoke of yokes. They talked about linking themselves up, but it was different for the Pharisees. The Pharisees wanted to yoke you to the law. They believed in yoking you to the commandments. And by the way, the Pharisees did more than just the commandments of the Old Testament. They would add to it. They had all, uh, basically, commentaries of do this, don't do that, do this. I mean, they were just polluting God's word. But they really believed that if you were to be right with God, you had to yoke yourself to all these commands. You had to yoke yourself. You had to do, you had to do, you had to do, you had to do, you had to do. Now, I'm not trying to be crude. But when you do and do and do, your spiritual life becomes do-do is what happens. It just messes you up. It just wears you down. It hurts you. And that was, the, that was the spiritual shape these folks were in. But Jesus tells them to take his yoke. Not the yoke of the law. Not the yoke of the Pharisees. But his yoke. Take my yoke. Get linked up. Not to the rules and the regulations and the laws. Link up to who? Jesus. Link up to me. And he actually goes on to say that, that his yoke was different. He said that when you yoke to me, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be meek and lowly in heart. You see me. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be there with you. He's not saying that the believer will never go through hard stuff. He's just saying he's going to be with you when you go through the hard stuff. Isn't that wonderful tonight? You're going to be yoked up with Jesus. So many people to this day, to this day, still try to yoke themselves up, link themselves up with the law. They do. They think if they can just give enough money to the church, they're right with God. They think that if they just go to Sunday school enough, they're right with God. They think if we just attend church enough, we're right with God. Oh, my friend, I love the church with all my heart. But if you're yoking to the church to take you to heaven, you're going to be in for a rude awakening one day. You know that, right? The church is not a spaceship that takes you to heaven. Are y'all aware of that tonight? It's not what it is. So if you are banking on some sort of religious ritual or attendance to make you right with God, your soul will never ever find rest. Never ever find rest. So instead you need what? Not a religion not a ritual, you ready? You need a relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to be in a close 
relationship with Jesus. You need to be yoked together with Christ. You need Jesus in your life. You don't just need to know about Jesus. You need to what? Know Jesus in a living, real relationship of being yoked with Christ. So understand tonight that, that if you're going to find rest, you got to come to Jesus. you got to be willing to be helped by Jesus. you got to let Him lift you up. you got to let Him save you. you got to let Him rescue you. you got to let Him do it for you. But finally, I want you to see this. The spiritual tired, the spiritually exhausted, they will see the difference. They will see the difference. The spiritual tired must come to Jesus. The spiritually tired must be helped by Jesus. But I promise you, number three, the spiritually tired will see the difference that Jesus makes. They will see the difference that Christ makes. Look at verse 30. He says, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. The Pharisees did not have a light burden. They had a heavy burden. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and you'll be right with God. But Jesus' yoke was easy. Christ, Christ would walk with you. He would take the weight of sin off of you. It was so different than the law and the rituals and the religion. It was knowing Christ. Personally, and he would lift the weight off of your soul. And you know how he was able to do that, don't you? Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus did not bear a physical yoke on his shoulders, he bore the cross on his shoulders. And he took that cross, he marched up to Calvary, he allowed himself to be nailed and crucified, he bled and wept. And suffered for the sins of the world. Here's what happened. Are you ready? He took your spot. He took your spot. And oh, he did the hard work. Amen. Well, Kenya, it doesn't seem fair. Whoever said love was fair. Whoever said love was fair. He just loves you a whole lot. I know we're Baptist. I know we're Baptist tonight. But I, I have a confession. Can I confess in a Baptist church? I really like John Wesley. You might know who John Wesley is. Brad's the only one laughing in here tonight. John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist church, okay? I don't think Wesley would like everything that's happening today. But I like John Wesley. You know the story of John Wesley? Great man of God, man, firecracker, love Jesus, wonderful, wonderful man of God, just an amazing man of God. Wesley grew up in a home, and he went to school to be an Anglican priest. The story goes that Wesley, as an Anglican priest, went over to the newly founded colonies of the Americas in Georgia. And he did mission work. He was doing mission work there in Georgia and doing the duties that were expected to get him right with God. He was doing the duties that would make him right with God. He was in the priesthood, so to speak. He was on mission trip, doing the stuff he was supposed to do to be right with God. It was time for him to go back to England. You remember the story, Brother Brad? 
he was on a boat, and he shared the boat with some Moravian missionaries. They were a fervent evangelistic missionary group, the Moravians were. And he was sharing the boat with them. And as they were going from the Americas over to England, a gigantic storm hit the ocean. And it was probably looking like that everybody on the boat was going to die. And Wesley freaked out. He was scared to death with all the religious work he had done. And he was in the ministry. Brad, he was a preacher. He was preaching. And with all of that religious work, when the storm came, he was scared to death. And he looked over at the Moravian missionaries. And they were all gathered together. And they were singing and praying. And Wesley could not get that out of his mind. The storm actually subsided. But the memory of the Moravians never did. It would be some time later after Wesley got back to England that he had a spiritual crisis. Not everything's right. Not everything's good. I've got all the religion, but <laughs> I don't got what the Moravians got. I don't got it. He had all this training, all this mission work, all this church stuff, but he was missing something. So he went to the meetings of the Moravians. Oh, and you got to look it up. You got to read his journal of what he wrote. It was unbelievable. He walks into their meeting, and they are reading. This is the craziest story. They are reading Martin Luther's introduction to the book of Romans. That sounds really exciting, doesn't it? They are reading Martin Luther's introduction to the book of Romans. And Wesley hears about grace over works. And he made a famous statement. It was at that moment there on Outergate Street, he said, that my heart was what? You may remember what it said? Was strangely warmed. Strangely warmed. And that is when Wesley crossed over from religion into relationship. And Wesley became one firecracker of a preacher, man. Amazing. You know what happened to Wesley that day? He quit yoking up with the religion and he yoked up with Jesus. And he found in his spirit, you ready? Rest. Rest. And salvation. And forgiveness. And grace. And mercy. And he found that he could walk with Jesus. Jesus could walk with him in a relationship. Some of y'all are tired tonight. And you're never going to get rest until you come to Jesus. Would you come tonight to Christ? Would you acknowledge your sin? Would you acknowledge you can't do it on your own? And humbly receive Christ? And be born again.
Oh, I beg you tonight. Come to Jesus. Come to Christ. Oh, he loves you. Oh, he loves you. Tonight, would you bow your head and close your eyes? Many of us tonight have come to Jesus. We've made that decision to follow Christ. Have we done this every night? We'll do it again. Oh, tonight, if you know you've been saved, if you know Christ is in your life, would you just raise your hand tonight and just worship Jesus tonight? Thank him for the rest that he gives you. Amen. It's not religion. It's not ritual. We've talked about that. Jesus talked about that. This is relationship. Amen. A personal relationship with Christ. But I fear tonight that there are some in this room that do not have that relationship with Christ. You may have walked the aisle. You may have done countless hours of church volunteer work. But you've never come to Jesus. You've worked for Jesus, but you've never come to Jesus. And oh, tonight, how he wants to save you. Oh, Kenny, would he save me? All the stuff I've done, would he really give me rest tonight? I've been running so hard, I'm out of breath. My soul's hurting. Would he really give me the relief I'm looking for? Yes, friend. He will. But you got to come to him. And you got to be willing to be helped by him. But I promise. I promise. I promise. You will see the difference. When Jesus takes that weight off of you. Tonight if you've never given your life to Christ. You've never given your heart to Jesus. I want you right where you are to call on them right now. It's not magic words, but it's a prayer of repentance and belief. Pray this with me. Dear God, I am a sinner. I am tired of running from you. I believe you died for me. I believe you raised, you were raised from the dead. I quit trusting in myself and I trust in you. Oh, tonight, save me, God. Save me tonight, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Oh, tonight, if Jesus just came into your life, if he came into your heart right now, I don't want you to be ashamed. I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be embarrassed. And we're not going to call you out or point you out. But if you just received Jesus and you know you received Christ, would you raise your hand right now to God? Would you slide it up high if Jesus just saved you? If Christ just came into your heart, would you do that now? Here in a moment, we're going to begin to sing. And if the Lord has touched you tonight, if God has spoken to you tonight, I want you to come. I want you to come find Pastor Brad and tell him your need to be saved. Tell him your need for spiritual rest. I want you to find a counselor. I want you to find somebody. Father, thank you. For it is truly without you, we can do nothing, God.
Father, with you, we can do all things. Lord, I pray tonight that you would give that person that needs your rest a relationship with you. So, Father, send them tonight. Give them the courage to come. Give them the boldness to come. Move in them tonight. Move in them. Be it a boy or a girl or a man or a woman, send them tonight. Let them leave tonight being right with God. It is in your name we pray. Stand to your feet tonight.